0: What's up guys, welcome to this week's episode of Unmuted Generations. My name is Ryan Meal, and today I have on a guest from the healthcare industry to chat about avoiding burnout and staying passionate. She's a cardiothoracic surgery physician assistant, a public health practitioner, and a peak performance coach and speaker focused on empowering ambitious young professionals, especially those who are working in her field of healthcare, to become confident, fulfilled future leaders. It's going to be a great episode, so thanks for tuning in, and make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And please help me welcome Sabrina Runbeck to the podcast. Hey, Sabrina. How's it going?
1: Good. Thanks for having me here. Thanks, everyone, for listening in.
0: No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for coming on. You have so many different roles. I mean, you're a cardiothoracic surgery physician assistant. You're the Toastmaster Sergeant of Arms, and then you also have this peak performance thing. How how do you balance everything?
1: Funny you say that because that's like the most common question that people ask me. Sabrina, how do you balance everything? But I have to disappoint you a little bit. It's really, there's no such thing as balance. Because if you think about a balance beam, right, means you have to put things on equal weight. And that's very difficult to do. And if we're only solely seeking for balance, then we actually won't get to that level of fulfillment and satisfaction. But what's very simple to do is find harmony. And what I call them is creating a harmony cycle because there's are many different key important areas in our life. But how many times do you actually think about all of them? And when you don't think about all of them, that's when we feel like rockety. I'm not sure things are just not working out for me. Right. And so Ryan, for example, What are some of the areas in your life that you truly feel connected to that are important to you?
0: Oh, man, there's a lot of things that are important to me. Obviously, my job, I started a new job in July. This podcast is very important to me. And then aside from that, you know, making sure the girlfriend's happy, making sure the dog is fed, the family, all that.
1: Okay, what I heard you saying is a lot on career. Um, the new job and podcast, because those are all your career gains. And you mentioned your girlfriend, the significant other, right? The love relationship, the family who are, help us to grow up to someone. And the dog, that's like, my dog is like my, like, you know, dogma right here. Like uh-huh. <laughs> enough, right? Like she's, she's, a she's smart, but she has a personality of her own. And we, just tapped into really just three part of us. Now, you can say the podcast can be your personal mission, vision, and therefore you can have four. Additional to that, what may have missing in your life are financial intelligence. How many of us actually got trained to to think we're not just making money, but how do we feel secure with what we earned? Um, so we can truly have that freedom. And and the other thing is spirituality, how we build energy, drawing things around us to make us feel good. Whether you meditate, whether you pray, that's up to you. Whether you believe in religions or not, there is an energy world that's different from physical thing that you can touch. Now, on top of that, it's Our personal character, your personal development, right? Who you are as a person. It might shift, but at a core, we don't change no matter how difficult things are in life. And in addition to that, social support, right? You actually didn't um, tap into friends. Now, I think we all have a lot of friends growing up and then people start distancing themselves, due to uh, maybe you moved away from work, uh, your family have moved, or you finished college, and therefore people have gone to different directions. But there are some of our friends who no matter how many months you haven't talked to each other, you can go back to each other like never anything happened, right? You just go right into it. So all of these other components of our life are also important. So how can we tap into everything it's not about quantity but quality right if you are so intentional be present with your girlfriend even just for a full hour for dinner or on a walk right Jugging the dog together that means a lot than just being physically together but your mind is separate
0: yeah i totally agree with that i mean for example, sometimes when I'm with my girlfriend or with my family having dinner, there's like 20 other things on my mind like, oh, I just got in a fight with this one friend or I have this project at work going on. It's extremely hard to do. How do you disseminate that? Like, Because a lot of people, they want to have that level of focus. They want to just be in the moment with that person or with that particular passion they're working on, but they simply... Have too many things going on in their life and they don't have the capacity to do it
1: so i believe that everyone has the capacity to do now a lot of us give ourselves excuses to say well i have a lot of things to do what i want you to say to yourself is that the belief of i'm just too busy i just need more time you should be telling yourself I just need to focus on the things that's right for me that are actually going to move the needle and not be distracted by the shiny things all around us. right? It, it, we have the fear of missing out. What if I didn't do this? And then what if people see us less of, right? Like people are relying on me to do this. Or if I don't have this opportunity, don't finish this project, then I won't get to the next level to get promoted, whatnot. Do you truly know that? No. Right. And what we have to start with number one is define your core values, define what truly connect to you. And something that I do with my client, they found the most helpful is this weekly alignment worksheet I uh, go through with them. And we break down multiple different things from the non-negotiables to what you want to do and then what you potentially like to do, right? And those are three different levels. And plus on top of that, it's our core values. So if you predetermine your decisions, then you commit it to something. Anything else that's are bombarding you, they can be simply a no. A no is a full sentence. Right. What I say a lot of time is you have to say no to almost everything. Then you can say heck yes to the only things that truly matter.
0: Yeah, I definitely need to work on that a little more. I come from a Filipino culture where I think the the saying is to say yes to everything. Like if somebody's in trouble or somebody's going through something, or if somebody even needs a little bit of help, we're like there right away. And that was kind of ingrained in the way my brother and I were growing up. Um, and it's still ingrained in a lot of Filipino culture today, along with just a lot of other Asian cultures out there. But I think you make a really good point about just prioritizing what makes you happy, not just you know what boosts your career to the next level, because I think that's really important. And I guess I'm just curious, so how did you get started on your journey to creating balance in a, or, well, not necessarily balance as we discussed, but I guess more of prioritization of values that make people happy. How, how did you get started with that?
1: Yeah, great question. So let me take you back a few years. It was barely eight o'clock in the morning. And uh, I remember I slept about three hours because I, my beeper was paging me going off all night I was on call and um, my body felt weak because Mm -hmm. I was also running a fever of 101 degrees oh man now those don't really sound like that big a deal but the fact matter is I was actually standing there in front of one of my patient with my hands inside of his chest for open heart surgery and I know that I probably would not have another break for at least another five hours. Well, it's typical, right? Our surgery are yeah. long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, my nurses saw me struggling, and they were kind enough to passing and Cough Drop under my mask to keep me going. But Unfortunately, when I woke up the next day, I was covered in sweat and can barely get out of bed. My fever didn't go away. so. I had to call out sick. When I spoke to my manager, his response was, Sabrina, don't make a habit out of this. That was the beginning of that tipping point of frustration because we all worked so hard to get to where we are right now. And we didn't do it to simply hate it or just drop it and jump shift to something else. And we wanted to be valued because... In any demanding career, we treat our clients, our patients with respect, advocate for their needs, right? Just like you were saying. But how often do I treat ourselves with those values? Or do we treat our close teammates with the same value? Mm -hmm. And that I'll go back to you are allowing yourself to add on another case, do another call review another chart, just keep going. And in medicine, really, there's never ending, right? Like yeah. people don't take a holiday for being sick. And if you want to work, you'll always have to be on. And that always on societal mentality, especially in these recent years, it's actually causing us to feel that overwhelm, anxiety, stress instead of pushing us into that more fulfilling satisfying state so i had to tell myself those upset situations those sickness getting fevers all the time well i kind of did it that myself clearly wasn't right so how do i need to do it go back to my root right i had a background in neuroscience and public health dug out my own thesis from 10 years ago on self-care, self-advocacy, and literacy, and also learning from other experts, spending thousands of dollars and hours, and finally realizing without a one-on-one coach, I was not seeing my blind spots. And after all those struggling, I finally coached myself all of that constant exhaustion. And now I'm happily still maintaining my practice in surgery, well, empowering other young professionals with demanding careers, especially those like us in healthcare, to feel better, more confident in our own skin, rising up as leaders to make true changes in our community, so that we can live with purpose and meaning and be a powerhouse in our career and a passionate person in life without feeling that overwhelmed, undervalued, or being under- Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm. First of all, I'm sorry about your boss who said that. I mean, that's probably the the number one thing you don't want to hear. Waking up with a really bad fever and into sweats. And for those of you who don't know who are listening to this, so cardiothoracic surgery that's basically if I'm if I'm correct, it's surgery like with the lungs with the heart. Like it's more invasive procedures, right?
1: Right. So we are one of the um, departments, more the high intense, things can go wrong like that. Um, Most of our patients um, have a variety, a spectrum of comorbidities, uh, of course, high risk with diabetes, heart disease, um, stroke. And when you have coronary disease, you're more than likely to also have carotid disease, right? The big pipes that supply blood to our brain, and potentially have peripheral vascular disease as well. And where people come in with claudication, poor perfusion to their lower extremity, and might have even gangrenes and whatnot, right, in your toes. These things, and all combined, can create more risk to our patients. Not that being said, there are also patients who are younger who have coronary disease that don't have comorbidities whatsoever, but maybe due to genetic factors or their own bad habits in life, and they're more at risk for that. Um, but we can only do our best to offer this treatment, right? And in any surgical round, you give treatment, give surgery, is because you can fix something, right? It doesn't mean that coronary disease, you give bypass bypass su- surgery and we're hoping you can last you for the rest of your life but sometimes people have to get redo but nevertheless we're trying to fix something or improve people's quality of life
0: I totally agree with that and I think you probably have one of the hardest jobs in the world because like in business and stuff if you mess up and you fail you know there there's always next time you may lose a couple sales here and there You may piss your boss off or, you know, piss some of your coworkers off, but you can live with that. You know, you could get over that, fix that. I mean, you're dealing with like a life or death situation to where if the surgery goes wrong in any aspect, I mean, the person's pretty much dead if you're working on their heart or even their lungs and something like that, or they could go into a coma. I can only imagine that's like a, a really, really high stress environment. And honestly, before, Meeting you, I didn't know that much about cardiothoracic. I think a lot of people are more familiar with like the term cardiovascular. And I looked it up, and I was, I was actually surprised because there were like stats saying like there's only like 3,500 full time cardiothoracic surgeons, and they're performing up to upwards of like 800,000 cases a year. So if you see like the supply and demand in that, it really shows you guys have like a high stress job. It's always like on the go, on the go, on the go. And there's like no ability to fail because then it's just the person unfortunately will pass.
1: Right. I mean, definitely for sure. That's one thing is if you think about COVID uh, restriction, a lot of elective surgery, need to be stopped. But our department is considered something that's, you cannot be elective when it comes to cardiac surgery, because Mm. when you have significant coronary disease, these vessels that's going around your heart muscle, it's a gamble for you to not have surgery. We can never tell you when you're going to have a heart attack or you will never have a heart attack, but likely when you have significant disease with a heart attack down the road, is definitely high, but no one can definitely give you a number. What we can calculate is the risk of you going under surgery. And if the benefit we see that is significant tightness, um, we're not really going to be beneficial with stents or medical treatment, then we are going to offer surgery. Uh, nevertheless, these people are needing to go through this big surgery for hours long, And they have to be recovering for two months out of work. So it definitely have both physical and psychological restriction for people to go through a big surgery like that. And for our lung cancer patient, um, the earlier stage, the better that we can remove that lobe out. And then um, if there's no invasion into their lymph nodes or other surrounding areas, then we follow them up for five years and then they're considered cancer free.
0: So yeah, but it, it's still a little interesting because from that perspective, I mean, obviously if they if they're cancer-free for five years, God bless them and good for them. But it isn't uh, heart disease and and kind of lung cancer those things where it's kind of as it goes down the line, it's kind of irreversible?
1: Right. It definitely age, smoking, uh, family history. Um, Already having other diseases like diabetes, uh, arthrosclerosis, and uh, different things are making you at a higher risk as you age. And um, so, why is coronary artery disease really heart disease in general is the number one killer in any country, right? And we really should think about like, um, yes, um, coronavirus is leading right now, but we also have all these other disease processes that have been leading death um, in people's life. And even from younger age as where we are right now, if we don't treasure our body as a temple, as as something that allows us to grow into that older life where we can truly enjoy ourselves, right? And then we should be also already enjoy ourselves right now. If we can picture and go what we want our perfect life to be. But we haven't even done the basic of today to enjoy to heal this body. How can you ever get to that end point?
0: Yeah, I with the body is a temple thing. I mean, I, I work eight hours, I do the podcast, maybe for two or three, see my girlfriend. I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff. And my cousin actually asked me the other day, he's like, how, how are you able to handle everything that's going on? Because you just have so many things and I don't know how you're able to kind of like we were talking about balance, but I'm like, no, I just prioritize what I need to prioritize. If I need to talk to a friend, like I'll schedule it once a week. I don't need to talk with them every day. And kind of going back to what we were um, talking about, it's just like, you got to be passionate about what you do. And I think with what you do, it's probably like one of the highest stress jobs. I mean, I can't even imagine being in your position, but one of the highest stress jobs where you're probably working a lot of hours, but you're extremely passionate about it. And I think you got to be passionate about your craft to really succeed. Because if I was like going through open heart surgery and I had like a bunch of burnt out doctors or physician assistants around me who didn't really like, weren't really feeling out there a hundred percent, I'd be like, you better switch them out and get some new ones in because I, I'm i not going to feel comfortable with people who have a 100 one degree fever holding my heart open and possibly just messing up one nerve and I'd be screwed. Obviously, like with the coronavirus going on too, that's kind of like a new thing, you know, like nobody really knows. I mean, there's research papers out, but not a lot of people know like how it spreads, you know, uh, things like the symptoms because the symptoms vary from person to person. Some people are asymptomatic. Other people we see in California are literally hooked up to one of those, uh, like the oxygen machines, to give the help their lungs out, and people don't know where it's caused from. Do you think that's like uh, deterring people from going to enter the medical field in the future, or do you think that's encouraging more people to possibly, you know, have a positive impact?
1: I'm not sure if we'll be encouraging or discouraging encouraging discouraging but i think it's all coming from an individual level and um, many of um, the students that has um gone through me where i'm also a surgical rotation site where i built for them um because i knew when i am a student that's such a a treasure to be able to learn on the job and the site to willing to have free service just to teach student is very uh, limited. Um, And um, so I build a a rotation program where they can go through both heart lung surgery with me, uh, plastic surgery, orthopedics, Um, and, um, neurosurgery, those are big four. Um, Mm -hmm. and then sometimes they can go to general surgery as well. And so they get a variety of themes. Now, these students, when I did one of the episodes on my own podcast, it's called Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals. Um, and I did a segment where I asked students for the PA week, what is the one thing that triggered you that you wanted to be a PA? And Most of them all go back to a story of someone that they knew and has had a a health issue that they wanted to be there to be someone to help that similar person in that situation to turn things around. Or they see a healthcare professional who just dived right in and then saved one of their friend or family's life. So these are deeper connections. Um, I think it doesn't really matter what the environment we're in, even for you and myself, what doesn't change is our core values. Mm-hmm. So with my uh, coaching system, where I take people from whether they're, s- they're newly entering their career, they have been in there for a few years and just feeling like they're comfortable and not sure where they're going, where they have been in their career for many years and start feeling the weight of the stress on themselves, I take them into this three-step simple process for them to fall back in love with that career drive, for them to feel more confident into their skin so they can actually tap into their full potential and feel satisfied. And those steps really start with building more mental immunity. And just like our physical immunity to fight off diseases, when we have the mental immunity, that's when we can repel all the naysayers out there, all the restrictions, all the environmental things that we feel like we're trapped in. And on top of that, remove All the things that don't serve us, the lies that we told ourselves, the sabotagers, right? Like we're controlling, we're feeling like if we don't do it, no one else do it. We have to line up these steps to Mm -hmm. get to some place, but it's actually creating stress instead of creating freedom, right? So identify these things so we can live more freely. And then the second phase is what we mentioned about redefining your motivation. What? does that mean to be you? What do you truly care about? Your core values? How do you want to show up? And why would you even want to give your A-game too, right? And when you have that, then we can build that perfect end picture and then attach the emotional joy to that and go so we don't feel like we have to rely on our willpower to get there we're actually continuously generating momentum and the last step is for us to have micro vacations because when we can regenerate our energy instantly then productivity will come into play when we don't have the right energy, no matter how many things I can teach people about being productive, you don't even have the basic stamina to do.
0: Yeah. In terms of like the micro vacations, I think that's so important. Like I I know in, uh, everybody is kind of taught you got to keep grinding. Like the more hours you put in, the better results you're going to get. But like, even if you do get better results, or even if you make like boatloads of money, like at what cost? I mean, we see a lot of people who are rich, or they own their own businesses, like committing suicide. Or even we see a—you know—I was—I was looking up that doctors apparently have like one of the highest suicide rates in the U.S. And everybody considers a doctor as like professional. You know, that's like the top upper echelon level. And if they're committing suicide, I mean, what's the reason? Do they have a good family. They're You know, I'm assuming making a lot of money because the medical profession pays well. But, like you said, if you're just constantly working, I don't think humans like to feel like they're stuck in like a cycle where it's like, oh, I wake up, go to work, okay, eat, go home, like same thing over and over and over again. I think those micro vacations do a really good job about getting people out of their cycle.
1: Right, exactly. It's it's what you were saying. Humans, or at least in the recent era, we tend to say, oh, I'll just get to that one point, then I can rest. Or let me just finish checking my email uh, for another half hour just so I can get through stuff, and then I will go to take a bathroom break. If only I finish this phone call, and then I can allow myself to even eat lunch. But when you're just saying, Oh, only after, only after that. Then your to-do lists start piling up and nothing really gonna get crossed off because the only reward system we have is something get checked off. So if we're driving ourselves into the reward of doing something, but actually don't reward ourselves for drinking water, and which depletes your energy, make you dehydrated, more tired, and you are not eating, you're not filling your body with the basic glucose nutrition that need, and your reaction time slows down, more likely to make mistakes. How can you say you're efficient and bring high quality at work into other people to serve them when you're not in your best state of being?
0: I'm super guilty of that because I used to, what I do whenever I start my day is I I write five goals, like five things I want to accomplish for the day. And I always used to write like five really, really big goals. Like, oh, I'm going to go network with like 10 people. I'm going to go finish all these projects at work a month ahead of time. I'm going to go on like a five mile run and then et cetera, et cetera. And then like, I don't know, by like 5 PM, I, I, barely accomplish one task, I would like go on like a two mile walk because I just needed some fresh air. And then I would just feel horrible. It's like I had all these tasks and goals I wanted to accomplish. But at the end of the day, like these goals, although they would help my career and obviously, uh, different aspects of my life, I wasn't making goals to like really take care of myself in the moment. I think there's a lot of people right now who are scared because, you know, the moment we live in is such a a horrible time with COVID-19 and everything that's going on in our world. But at the same time, if you make like all these goals for the future and you're trying to accomplish them every day and like these big grandiose goals, it's kind of like you got to take baby steps, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, one of my clients um, who is also in surgery, she's in general surgery, and she gone through my six weeks intensive program with me, and she has that rotational shift, right? Day, morning, weekend, all over the place. So she felt like there's nothing, con- no connection, right? She has to be shifting things around like a weekend warrior. And what she, we found together is I create a power hour for her. And we found out the best time of the day. And now she feels like, just like you're saying, no longer just constantly playing catch up, feeling like you have no time to yourself. She has a ritual that she are doing now, be able to walk the dog, talk to her husband, when he comes home. Be able to prepare her lunch when she needs to bring it to work. Have found time doing her work to have a tea break, right? Hydrate herself and just to calm down. And when we have micro vacation, what I call them is these frequent two minute exercises that you would do in a day, because they are small, and so easily achievable, then you don't feel like you're just adding another task as a to do onto your thing, right for the day. And when you brought up the point of having goals, that's too big, we cannot accomplish, you're not alone. Many people do that. So when people go through with me, you'll set a personal goal, and the professional goal each week, And they are realistic. So something like, for example, you're networking, you wrote 10 per day. What do you think out of the week, how many times you can actually go out to network?
0: Yeah, I mean, I could do 10 a day, but the issue isn't necessarily doing it. It's like what we were kind of talking about earlier, doing it with a passion, because I could talk to people like right now I'm talking to you and I'm completely engaged. But for example, if I book like three other episodes today, I would be like so burnt out by the third episode. I would be like half listening, half not, probably drawing and doodling.
1: <laughs> so realistically, it's really two per day. It's now you can do 10, right? I didn't say yeah. how many you can do. It's more like what do you think is reasonable that you can do? And many people take that as a wrong question right they think well i of course i can do it right like even simple things like why people fail weight loss programs because they feel like oh i can just start working out seven days a week but what happens when we couldn't we feel bad about ourselves yeah we start feeling guilty critics right worse critics but what would be more realistic maybe just three times a week to start with And what happens when we're able to do that three times a week? Man, it's pretty good. It's doable. Mm -hmm. And then the next week, you can then decide do you want to stick with three times a week or do you want to add to the fourth day a week? And maybe the next week, you can just stick with three times a week to again affirm your ability, your capacity to do that. And then you can elevate the week after, right? We don't Mm -hmm. have to just. Like sh- like Thanksgiving dinner sometimes, we feel like we have to eat a lot just because all the food are there. Right? We don't have to live life like that. We have choices.
0: Exactly. I think a lot of it is just us being our own biggest critic and then comparing ourselves to others. I mean, one of the things that uh, we see, like sayings that are on like T-shirts if you go to Venice Beach or Las Vegas, where it's like, it's, like wake up, eat, eat, do whatever, you know, like maybe work out or, or network or, or do something productive and then like sleep and repeat. So it's like wake up, eat, activity, sleep, repeat. And that's just not like a healthy way of living at all. But I think a lot of people, due to social media kind of growing over time, I mean, there's some people who get motivated by seeing, you know, people work out like, oh, I'm going to do that and I could do that. Or there's some people who feel like bad about themselves. Like I'm not doing enough. I need to make like bigger, bigger, bigger goals to like overachieve that. I mean, we're all competitors as a human beings. It's just like natural in us. So I think it's like very important, like you were saying, to kind of just take a step back and and kind of acknowledge like what are our core values, what activities, or uh, I guess meeting towards our goals. Like what goals, if we were to accomplish them, would make us the happiest in life especially in moments like uh, coronavirus right now where we we may not be able to accomplish those goals. Like if one of your goals is to travel to every mall or something like that, it it may not be the most most functional goal at the moment. I I think another question I have is just like, in terms of like finding and refinding your passion, I I know a lot of people in the medical field, um, like we were kind of chatting about it earlier, but you were saying they were driven by an incident that happened when they were younger and how, you know, maybe seeing somebody they loved that was in pain, that was going through a sickness or disease or some type of injury, it affected them to the point to where they, when they grew up, they wanted to be able to help others similar to them. Like what, what's the best advice you have people for like finding and refinding their passion if they tend to be burnt out? Cause I know the medical profession is a very, very long, long journey. It's
1: such a great question one thing is let's go back to the core values again a lot of time we forget who we are as a person we become excellent at doing and detaching ourselves from meaning so first step is find meaning back into what we're doing you started the career no matter which career you choose, you started with some purpose, with some excitement. What was that excitement? Even say money, that's still acceptable, right? Yeah. Because that's you could still You do a lot attractive. of things with money. <laughs> exactly. And find that initial reason and then figure out at your life right now, what matters to you more? What are the set of skills that you already have that you've been able to do and use that bring you joy? What are some of the skills that you wish you could have tapped into more? If you're missing those chunk of skills that you wish you can tap into more, how can you create a novelty to allow yourself to use these new set of skills into your current situation? Be creative because creativity also brings in that lightness when we are bored that's when we are feeling stuck stagnant and when there's no novelty in life of course we feel like there's no aim when there's no aim means we have no idea what this ideal life even looks like then what are you working for nothing so there are ways where i work with my clients on having visualization exercise writing exercise to create these things to draw something inside of them that they actually know but no one actually care enough or no one even know what to ask for them to get to that point
0: definitely where did your uh, a lot of your core values kind of come from yourself because you're very motivational um, you seem like just an, a very optimistic person a, a person who kind of lights up the room where did a lot of that come from growing up
1: a lot of come from the harshness of my childhood, almost in a way where I think my family are, everyone is driven by something. And then you almost come from that competitive edge. And in when I think I was little, it helped in a way of getting to the next level, but it also become a sabotager because I'm really hard on myself. So one, I remember one incident in high school. You know, I'm chatting with my friend, getting into my AP stat class, and um, the teacher is already handing out the quiz that we took the week before. And now I'm not talking anymore because I'm like, oh, great. I remember there's like a couple big questions I just could not figure out. And then when I saw that score inside the right circle – Yo, I was just falling and then I don't cry pretty. And then my friend just staring at me, he's like, What the (laughs) heck is going on? Right. And um, the score for most people, you know, it's not even that bad. But for me, it was terrible. And the actual score, I believe, was 82. So many people would say, First of all, it's a B minus.
0: I would high five you.
1: (laughs) Right. Like it's one test big whoop-dee-doo but i when i was younger didn't learn about self-empathy self-forgiveness and through my years of journey knowing there's actually just a lot of people just smarter than you and that's okay you leverage on their smartness that's how smart people do it it's not about you knowing everything but you knowing how to leverage your resources and put the perspective into reality of what doesn't serve you, let that go. Allow yourself to feel the anger, the sadness of whatever didn't work out, whether you had an argument with your friends. And um, instead of rehearsing that story over and over again, emotion only lasts about 90 seconds. But when we allow ourselves to rehearse, What had happened? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Why would he say that? Oh my goodness, I can't believe this person act that way. Oh, maybe I should have changed my tone of voice. Maybe that will solve the problem. If you keep rehearsing this what if, what if, you get stuck in that situation. Instead of, well, I'm upset, I need to hold myself accountable for being that part as well. And if I do a visualization exercise, one thing I teach people is imagine them as a 10 year old in that exact same situation as you just gone through, would your reaction change?
0: Yeah. I mean, a a, a lot of times you kind of have to look deeper into the situation. Like, uh, I'm, I'm super competitive. I, I grew up around a bunch of different cousins who are around my age. And, uh, it was one of those things where we were always compared. So, Uh, we all love each other to death. But at the same time, we're all so competitive. And uh, that kind of carried on with me in life, because now it's like I could be playing like a little, like hungry, hungry hippos board game with my girlfriend, and I'll be like, shoving it in her face if I win, (laughs) or I'll be, uh, I'll be, you know, taking a test. And if I don't get like the best score, even if it's like a B, which is considered passing to a lot of people, I'll just be like, super mad at myself in my head like i only expect the highest things but people don't and they, they they'll look at people who are competitive uh, like you and myself and they'll look like oh like why is she crying over a test why is he getting upset over this well like if you look in like our, our background back when we were younger like this is why basically i, I feel like a lot of people uh, it's kind of looking at the cover of the book and before actually like taking a read i'm pretty sure i'm not using that phrase right but it's something similar to that but, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you're right. We we come from a lot of culture, a lot of definition about restricting, right? Because in uh, there, are also research found that more than eighty percent of people don't know how awesome they already are. And um, now we are born pure. We're born curious. We're born asking questions and be joy. Say no, right? When babies, they say no all the time. Why can't we say that? And we start putting ourselves into a box because society tell us X, Y, Z, our professors, our families, our next door neighbor, we start conforming to people that we know instead of allowing ourselves to experience and then are allowing ourselves to say, this is my value. I'm not compromising that no matter how much people, quote unquote beg or influence you in different ways. You know who you are and believe in that and hold yourself true to that. And that's very key. Um, and of course, for me to get to this point is those hours of self-mastering, learning, continuously reading, um, be listening to podcasts, audiobooks, all that growth phase, right? If we stop growing, that's when we tap out. That's when things become stagnant. That's when we start losing aim. But people also need to stop being distracted by the constant growth because we have to be doing. And if we don't make that small step of doing, you also won't see any progress.
0: Yeah. For example, I'm I'm such a competitive guy that sometimes – I take this like lone wolf mentality where I just want to do everything myself and I don't need help from others. I don't need to listen to podcasts or or read books and stuff. But then I, I get out of my own head and I read it or I take advice from great people like yourself uh, or my friends or my family, my girlfriend. And uh, I think it's so important to have like a supportive growth system around you uh, that that'll be willing to like encourage you and kind of just uh, not necessarily shove things in your face, but just like teach you things about yourself and give you like an insight about like introspection that you don't already know. And I know you host like a lot of different, I guess just like community workshops, right? You do that where you're kind of building a community within healthcare professionals, focusing not just on the physical aspect and the stress with uh, you know, your jobs, but also like the mental health aspect and then you do a uh, Toastmasters too, which I'm, I don't know if a lot of people know about it, but it's basically like a, if I could describe it correctly, it's like public speaking amongst your coworkers or, or family and, and uh, just getting to know each other more and improving your public speaking skills. So how big do you think community is nowadays?
1: Right. Uh, so Toastmaster has uh, corporate clubs and then also community clubs. So I'm in a community club. People come together to learn to be better coaches, leaders, have better routines, time management, be a better speaker in any way, form, shape. We need to communicate effectively with other people. So then they can understand us clearly and when we have both on the same level of clarity with our communication then we won't get confused and you can truly believe in each other's goal and help each other to get to that end point right just like Oprah says everyone just need to be seen heard and understood and communication in any relationship is the foundation so being in Toastmaster is such a small Uh, financial commitment but you definitely learning as you go from both a professional and personal round.
0: it's extremely small financial commitment i mean it's like if if you really think about it like if you buy all the starbucks coffees you do it's probably way less than that so i think it i think it's very important to attend something like that i was in toastmasters for like a year at my internship i think like two years ago two years ago yeah two years ago now and I remember I was so nervous to go up because I'm, I uh, I always describe to people, I'm not like, I'm hosting a podcast and everything, but I'm not like uh, naturally like that guy who just puts himself out there. Like I'm more, I'll I'll analyze things, stay at the back of the room. I I remember when I was younger, I'd always be scared to like talk in front of things. Or if I were to get an award, I'd grab it and run, run away really fast. Like that's just the type of personality I am. But Toastmasters really taught me to go out of my comfort zone and talk in front of, non-judgmental people, which is very, very important. And also get constructive feedback on some of the cues, like the things I say, saying like, like, or, you know, or what, I mean, it's just such a good organization. I I feel like not talked about enough. It's definitely one of the things out there that should be talked about more. And, you know, you also host a bunch of different workshops. You had one this past month, correct?
1: Yeah, I saw so I hosted a virtual summit for healthcare professionals empowerment. And this, the back end is a free to join, but the video goes away after 24 hours to encourage people to participate to really take action. And for anybody who likes to review later, they can donate into the bundle, where they get all the videos, recording notes, uh, worksheets, and, um, they uh, can have this for a later time, as well as um, these donations are going to a foundation to help healthcare workers who had passed away due to COVID-19. So I did that with 21 experts and looking into life as a whole for us to be powerful and passionate into leadership, career development, business growth, and uh, financial intelligence, and my thing of mental immunity, mental fitness, and mm-hmm. physical wellness, and relationship building. So looking into life as a whole, into a different perspective, how can we grow in every single aspect? Um, and on my own, I do host webinars, I gave uh, speeches at medical conferences, or productivity, or empowerment events. Uh, I speak on. Um, podcast just like yours and then have one of my own. So make my life more diverse, bring into that novelty and keep myself moving in life.
0: That's cool. What motivated you to kind of start all that and on top of the healthcare job?
1: It's my story of how I had a burnout and then feeling like that no matter how much I was doing, it's not gonna to be enough. And when I start learning and self about self-mastering and get myself into a better spot, I know many people have experienced something just like I did. It's not something that rare of a story and we can all walk out of that stuck. And we also don't need to wait until we get to the point of no return, feeling like, oh my God, bottom of the pit before we do something. It's easily preventable to retain that excitement and keep going in life.
0: I appreciate your vulnerability though, because I, I think that's such an important thing in today's society because it really helps the younger generation learn from uh, mistakes. You know, everybody makes mistakes, everybody goes through their trials and tribulations, and even this younger generation will make mistakes. But by you providing the advice to them and bringing in other professionals who are knowledgeable, who have gone through the same thing as you, and, and kind of leading these this new generation through uh, a better path uh, to where if they do get in that situation, they know what to do. I think that'll create nothing but a positive impact on this world. So other than that, I really just want to say thanks for coming on again. I mean, I know you probably have a million other things going on, but to make this a priority uh, to chat with me on Unmuted Generations, I really, really appreciate it. Are there any final messages you have for our audience or is there anything you'd like to plug in?
1: I think one thing is about learning about yourself, what uh, have more introspection and think about what truly matter in your life. What are your core values? And so that won't, um, it predetermines your decisions. Then you won't get sidetracked very easily. And I do have a free gift for our listeners, especially with this demand of demand. Uh, demanding time, both mentally and physically. I have a instant energy reboot exercise. Um, we didn't have time to go through it today, but because there's a hundred of different exercises, I record one of the typical ones and for you to download for free. And um, you can do this exercise at work, at home, outdoor, indoor. As long as you are putting your feet flat on the ground, really give yourself that pizza uh, quiet here. Right, um, and you can instantly bring back your calm, your focus, and your energy. And people can grab that at sabrina.roundback.com forward slash energy. And um, you can also reach me if you have any questions, want to go deeper on any of the things that we talked about today, or something else that interests you feel free to find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. My handle is my phone name, Sabrina Rombach, and I appreciate everyone for listening in today.
0: No, Sabrina, thank you so much for coming on today. It was my pleasure, and I really appreciate the messages that we chatted about, and I hope that we at least resonated with a couple people listening. And for those of you listening, really just want to say thank you all for the support the past couple of weeks. You know We're living in a very harsh society right now, and when this podcast was created, the initiative was really to educate other people about different backgrounds and different generations and also inspire others throughout this time of negativity. And I hope we all take some time to really introspect, look into ourselves, and prioritize the things we love. But other than that, thank you guys for listening to the entirety of this episode. Make sure to leave a rating or a view. And also follow at Unmeted Generations on Instagram or LinkedIn. Only takes 10 seconds. And over there, I post a lot of the the behind-the-scenes content as well as future projects coming up. So I hope you guys enjoy that. I'll see you guys in the next one and take it easy.